Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew as an NQT, with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as an NQT. I'll be talking to those new to teaching as well as those who've spent a lifetime educating children. And one thing you can be sure of, they will all have something interesting and informative to say on the art of being a great teacher. Plus, they will reveal the one thing they wish they knew as an NQT that made a real difference to their teaching and might make a real difference to you too. Today, I'm talking to Louise Howlett. We've heard in previous podcasts the range of different ways that people come to teaching. And like everyone else, Louise has followed her own unique path. She always thought that forensic science was going to be her career. But feeling she needed a break from full-time education before she went to university, she took a gap year after A-levels. In the gap year, she worked in retail and volunteered one day a week in a school. And guess what? Yes, once she'd tried working with children, like so many of us, she fell in love with it. So she did head off to university, but not to study forensic science, but to study primary education. After qualifying, her talent was quickly recognised and she's now an assistant head teacher in an outstanding junior school. Thank you for talking me today, Louise. I'm very much looking forward to our chat. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm really looking forward to having a chat about education. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? We, I've, I've spoken to Louise a lot about this over the years as our paths have crossed numerous times and uh, yeah, and we're both nerds when it comes to education. We love it. So tell us about Especially this. Especially science. Absolutely. Oh, we love science, don't we? That's the subject. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about that gap year experience. Was there anything that you particularly remember that made you think, this is what I really want to do? Yeah, so it was a really funny way to get into teaching, really, because everyone I talk to often say, oh, I've always wanted to be a teacher and I used to pay teachers when I was a child <laughs> and everything along those lines. And that was never the way for me. Um, as you said earlier, I was always interested in science right from the get-go in secondary school. I just had one of those teachers who taught me biology and she had me hooked. Um, and I was absolutely adamant that I was going to go into forensic science. And um, I just... When I got my results, thought, oh, I'm not quite ready. I'm just going to take a break and see what I want to do. And it was a family friend that said to me, why don't you just try working in school, volunteer there, see if you like it. It's a good career. She worked in the office. So she said, I think I, th I think you're cut out for it. I think you should give it a go. And I worked one afternoon a week um, in school. And from the first day, I absolutely loved it. Um, and very quickly, a job came about. Um, working as an LSA with a child who had actually been excluded from mainstream and where he was being integrated back into a mainstream classroom. So I was offered the job um, and obviously I bit the head teacher's hand off, um, really wanted it. And I think that was really my turning point because he had such a turbulent home life um, and was really unsettled in school. And I could see day by day that we were making a difference to his life. And I just thought, why not? go into it and make a difference to many children's lives so that was really what sold the story to me and you know every day was different and I never saw myself sitting behind a desk and doing the same job every day and as we all know teaching throws lots of things at you very very quickly and you have to deal with it and that's the excitement I suppose and what you enjoy doing. 
I think so. And, and, and that sort of ties nicely in, doesn't it, to your forensic science passion, because you could easily say you have to forensically examine each child. You've just told us that really oh, utterly engaging little story about this lad who was uh, excluded from school and, and the difference you were making to him. But you make the difference, don't you, by endlessly analysing, does this work? Does this work? Does this work? No, no, no. That works. So we'll do that for a bit. But in three days' time, it stops working. <laughs> so now I've got to find We'll try something else. else. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so that was successful, was it, that reintegration for him? It was. Um, and he went on to actually boarding school in secondary school, which I think would have been the best place for him because of home life um, yeah. and unfortunately I suppose that's the sad bit about teaching we don't get to know where they go on to after that um, but I'm sure he's on to good things. It, uh, absolutely true and and it's just so nice I bumped into my iPad has blown up I was editing one of the podcasts on it and it just stopped working and I took it into John Lewis where I bought it from or where my wife bought it from and I met an ex-pupil <laughs> and he said he said Mr Crook he said you were one of the best head teachers I had and I said Louie that's a really nice thing to say but you only had two didn't you I was your <laughs> primary head and you had a secondary head he said true but you were still one of the best <laughs> yeah, they remember. They do no, remember. They do. That's they... why it's important to make that impression. <laughs> it is. And, and like you say, however long you make it for, you make a massive difference to those children's lives for yeah. however long you you can influence by, them by being with them. And, yeah. and crikey, that's a good feeling. I can, I can hear the pride in your voice now about the difference <laughs> you made with that boy. And rightly so, isn't it? Because that's, that's yeah, where he's the gonna, big he's reward going to be comes someone... from that I never forget because he's so important to where I am today. The, your first memory then when of, of when you were a real teacher, as in you'd qualified, you'd got into the job. What was, what was your first thoughts then? Cause, cause actually you had a pretty wonderful thing to, to look back on, didn't you? Even yeah, though I, doubtless there were turbulent times with him because with these emotionally troubled children, it's never yeah. plain sailing, is it? No, no, it's not. And actually, I took myself into a school in Basildon and I worked alongside a lot of children that had challenging backgrounds, which was really rewarding as well. And I suppose my first feeling of standing up in front of a class was fear. Um, despite being an LSA and having that experience behind me, when you've got 34 children sitting back and looking at you and knowing that you're responsible for their behaviour, for their learning and everything that's going to go alongside that, I just remember sort of standing there and shaking and feeling like I can't do this. And I had been doing my degree for three years and I thought, crikey, I don't know how people doing PGCE or skip do this because my three years haven't prepared me for this moment. This is my class and it's not the same as being a student or anything like that. And I suppose you just have to take a deep breath and get on with it. And I just remember after 10 minutes, it was as though I'd had that class a lifetime and mm. I was so settled and in the swing of things. Um, and to break the ice, I also had a dragonfly fly into my classroom halfway through the getting to know each other. And I'm not one for flying objects. So ah. um, obviously the kids found it hilarious and it definitely broke the ice. So that calmed things down. And again, you know, that comes back to teaching that 
every day is different and you don't know what's going to happen and you've just got to take it as it comes. Um, but he was definitely on my side that day. He definitely made me feel at ease. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's so important, isn't it? And, and, and it's nice. Almost everyone has said, day one, minute one, I'm terrified. I was. Of course. Because, yeah. because, and, and that's totally understandable, but I never get tired of hearing it. As I say, the previous people I've, I've spoken to about their thoughts about becoming a teacher, they all say, crikey, it was nerve wracking. God, blimey, I was, I was shaking inside. My head went blank. I didn't know what I was going to say. But like you say, 10 minutes in, actually, this yeah. is a very difficult job, but it and half good. I think it's the same year on year as well because you get new children and you do get those butterflies when you stand in front of them yeah, you because do. again you don't know what those children are like and how they're going to react to you and how you're going to respond to situations and I I always say to everybody that joins us that actually I think those feelings are really good no matter how experienced you are because it shows you care um, and shows that you're still in the right job. Yeah definitely and you want to do really well you want to do really well for those children and and you know I'm an old man now, but I still get those feelings when I go in. I ran a training session Monday in a school. I felt exactly the same. Even I was working with teachers, but I felt just the same as I did on day one with my class. The first two minutes, oh, crikey, I hope this goes okay. Yeah. And then, oh, I'm really enjoying this because it's great being a teacher. Um, so so that was quite an yeah, amusing definitely. time then, was it? The dragonfly? What about, did the laughter carry on during the year? Yeah, it does all the time. And I think every year there's always funny moments. And I think you've got to hold on to those funny moments and to get you through really. And I suppose one of my funny moments is just being, is saying things without thinking about what you're going to say before you say it. Um, because, you know, we all talk very, very quickly and don't always process things before it comes out. And I suppose my funniest moment that I have to share is that I've, I've been in year six for a long time now and um, we were due to perform our year six production and it was a really hot summer's day. The children were all moaning at me and saying, oh, how are we going to do this in this heat? And I was like, stop moaning. You'll be absolutely fine. We're going to get loads of fans in there and make it nice and... And you can imagine what came out of my mouth and um, not realising what I said. The children burst into laughter. Oh, what, what and I went did to you tell say? them off. What and did you say? I said, we're going to make it nice and funny in there because we're going to have lots of fans. <laughs> and the children found it absolutely hilarious. And I was mortified at what I had said. Um, uh, but of course, you just got to laugh it off with them <laughs> because that was the only way to, to get through it. And, you know, it, ma it, made, it made the production. They loved it. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're human, aren't we, as well? And and why should we be perfect all the time? We can't be. No. And, uh, and as long as we've always got the best interests of the children, children love it when teachers make mistakes like that, don't they? Oh, Are they, they find mistakes? It hilarious. Yeah, you'd almost say do it on purpose because, because the children will enjoy it so much and your credibility as a human being will go up so much, let alone as a teacher for for yeah. saying something like that and laughing along with them. That, yeah, uh, yeah, it makes you human, doesn't it? Hundred <laughs> percent, and that and, and that's so important. I had a swimming lesson tonight. What the heck has this got to do with this podcast? I hear you ask. But I had a, went on a <laughs> swimming lesson tonight, and my swimming teacher was saying, "Do you think teachers always care?" And I said, "All the good ones do." And she said, "Right, 
she said that makes sense she said because my daughter is sometimes has this teacher who doesn't seem to care about them and I said well the good ones really care mm -hmm. and they care all the time and, and they'll share all their uh, funny moments and all their insecurities I used to tell my children all sorts of things about you know my dog's died and this has happened and that's happened and 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 it makes you human doesn't it and it makes a bond with them yeah, that's really strong that. absolutely yeah. so so I mean that leads me on to the next thing I was going to ask you what is it about enjoying being together with your class that makes the job so worthwhile and of course improves the learning because that's the whole point of being a teacher there's many peripheral things but we've got to yeah, get the course. learning great um the answer to that is relationships. Um, relationships are so important. If you haven't got the relationships with the children, learning can't take place and they they don't trust you um, and they won't thrive in the environment that they've got. And I suppose it's about building relationships that you don't even know that you're building. Um, you do it without even realising. And Yeah, but why, why do you do that? That's because you're a decent human being who really cares and you love your children and you want... I want the best for them 100 i want them to feel comfortable in my classroom i want them to ask questions i want them to laugh i and if you don't have that groundwork there then that's not going to happen no and that and that's why you say you do it without without knowing it you do it without knowing it because you care so much and therefore you'll do anything to to make the learning and the the time with you as their teacher as good as it can possibly be and that's what marks out special teachers isn't it it, it's the people who really care and will put themselves out endlessly for their children. I get upset if they put down their favourite teacher and it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right too. How could they possibly put that? I can't <laughs> believe that. So, so we know that we know that this is the best job in the world, even if they put you second as their favourite teacher. But, but well, you know, yeah. we've talked already about the, the challenging times you had with that young lad who you first worked with, an, with as an LSA. But, but other challenges you faced? Is there anything that you, you think about still and think, oh, blimey, that was a difficult time? Um, I suppose my biggest one walking into teaching was parents mm. um, and dealing with them, especially going into a challenging school because I knew that I had to have a lot of dealings with them um and I, I suppose my worst one was parents evening um and I remember that I got myself so worked up on my first parents evening because I was worried about how it's going to go and I knew that I could talk to children all day, all day long but talking to parents is a different kettle of fish so to say um but I got myself so worked up that I was actually sick on my first parents evening oh. um I so mean, I often felt sick on parents evening especially when yeah. I was inexperienced but you were actually sick. I was actually sick, yes, in my class bin. Uh, luckily, we weren't doing parents' evening ah. in the classroom. I managed to take myself away first, but I'd got myself so worked up. I'm glad to say every year it's improved and I don't feel so anxious about it anymore. And I suppose it's just something you've become accustomed to and used to. And once you've got some phrases under your belt, you know how to deal with those moments. So it's definitely something that um, I've always found tricky. Yeah, um, what I always find, though, and, and, and I'm sure parents recognize this in you, parents know when you care about their children. Parents know when you know their foibles. I remember one parent said to me once, she said, uh, Mr. Crook, I think you know my child better than I do. 
And, and of, course, <laughs> of course that wasn't true, but it, it was a massive compliment that I, I really thought about the child as a person and, and did everything I could to help them as a person yeah. develop. And parents recognize that, don't they? And, and, and I'd say to anyone, my bit yeah. of advice for parents evening would be just, just demonstrate that you know the child well. Back to my swimming teacher, she said, <laughs> some teachers, they don't even know the child, do they? They just read out of their mark book as if mm. they're a number. And I, and I yeah. said, well, secondary school, it's obviously much trickier. They, they see 200 children a week. But, but I said, yeah, in primary school, you have to know your children inside out or you're not doing your job. Yeah. Mm. So Definitely. your best moment ever, you've just given us sick in the bin. Tell us another one. <laughs> is, there a, is there a thing where you said, whoa, every time I think of the bin moment, actually it's far outweighed by this yeah um i suppose there's lots to uh, take into consideration and i I'm think so it's really pleased important. i'm so pleased you said that it definitely outweighs the, the moments where you're on edge um and i think it's important to always remember those and i wanted to say to everybody that actually i've created a folder of all comments that i've had from parents on reports or anything that sort of lifts me up so that you know if there is a down day or a moment where you feel like oh I just didn't do that right I didn't get that you can go to that and remember those That's moments that they, you know, parents have appreciated what you've done um, and definitely in my first year that was something that really helped me out mm. um, but I would say one of my best moments and it's something that I didn't even think would be a best moment um, so again a nice a nice thing to do but was the got to dance performance and I took a group of year five and six children and none of them were gifted dancers along anything along those lines but they enjoyed dancing and um, we'd worked together as a club and we went and performed on the stage at the Civic Theatre oh, and brilliant. I just remember standing in the wings and I've never felt so much pride yeah. um, and it was just amazing to watch and I, that is a real highlight of my career Today. I'm, I'm just tingling. Um, and like I say, Louise it wasn't now. something that I had on the agenda. It just popped up. Yeah, I'm just tingling now because I remember those moments where, as you say, you stand there and you think, my children are doing so well. Yeah. And, and yeah. I couldn't be happier. And it's made the hairs on my arm stand on end, you saying that, because it's <laughs> it's made me remember endless moments where you just think, this is why I'm doing it. This is why I'm doing it. So that could yeah. be your greatest and achievement, couldn't it? There, that could be. It could but, be but, my greatest. Um, but have you got something? Lots. Have you got something that that you say for myself? For I myself, think, I think is... you're right when you say I endlessly feel pride in my children, and that that's a good feeling anyway, isn't it? But is there something where you think, yeah, I never thought I could achieve that. Uh. I suppose it's where I am today. I never thought going into teaching that I would be an assistant head within three years of teaching. Um, and I think it just proves that teaching has a lot of different avenues that you can open up if you work hard and tap into the right areas. Um, and you've just got to immerse yourself and, and go with what you enjoy. Um, and I suppose it's the same with the science. that I never thought that I would have the relationship that I have with yourself um, and going out to support other schools as well. And teaching has lots of potential. 
for that. Yeah, no, it, no, it does. And, and, and I remember when I last came to your school and, and just how impressed I was by what I saw. And, and I know it's an outstanding school, but sometimes I go into outstanding schools and I think, I'm not sure it's all that outstanding, really. But, <laughs> um, but in yours, I, I think your head teacher said she'd snog me when I said it was the best school <laughs> I've been Doesn't in that year. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you being quite outraged and saying... <laughs> we can't say that to a visitor or something like that. It was very yeah. funny. But, um, <laughs> but again, a great personality. And that's what, that's what makes your school so good, isn't it? You've got, you've got personalities who yeah. love being there and work very well together. So yeah, is, there, is there one thing? What about one thing, either your biggest challenge or, or you might at this point want to tell us what's the thing you wish you knew as an NQT that you know now or you choose or you can. So, tell well, I, I do have my biggest challenge because I think it's actually something that can roll into what you wish you knew as an NQT, because I think us as teachers are our very own breed um, and we're very similar to one another. And I think lots of us want to be perfectionists. And um, I found that a very big learning curve in my first year because I wanted to have everything perfect and we all know that it can't always be that way and you have it to sure prioritize can't. things and you have to work alongside people um to to get things done to the standard that they need to be done but not necessarily right at the top all of the time um so yeah I am a perfectionist and I found that really difficult to overcome and know the level that it's going to impact the children at the right level without the workload being over the top. Yeah, yeah, really important. And and, and is that the message you'd give to any uh, NQT? Know when to stop. Prioritize. Know when to stop. Know the yeah. things that are really important. Um, and, and not everything is really important, even though it feels like it is. Yeah, and I would say hopefully they're working alongside someone that's got a good bit of experience under their belt and that they can be the ones to lean on and know which bits of information are important and the things that need working on as a, a immediate impact and then those that can wait to a bit later and I suppose the other thing is that you don't have to know everything it's okay to say in front of a class you know I don't know that answer and I'll go and look it up and I'll come back to you or let's find it out together um, because I think you always think you're standing in front of that class, you should have all of the information. And again, that goes back to being human and that we don't know everything and we're there to do our best in teaching them. And to do that, sometimes we have to go away and do a bit of research ourselves. Absolutely. And, and, and the key thing there, isn't it? When I'm teaching a lesson, I have to know enough to teach that re lesson really well to the highest attaining child in that subject. I always used yeah. to say to my teachers, Plan your lessons off the highest attaining child in that subject, whether that's maths or art or PE or science or DT, you have to know your highest attaining child because then there's always something new for them to learn rather than, yeah. as you say, it can't be perfect. And they're still going to ask you things where you think, don't know, actually, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure anyone in yeah. the world knows the answer to some of the things they <laughs> ask you, but uh, or the randomness that they come out with at times. <laughs> exactly right, and uh, and and I and well, that's a great place to end, I think, Louise, because that is the joy of the job, isn't it? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Keep you on your toes. 
definitely. Louise, thank you so much for sharing those teaching moments, the good ones and the not so good. I don't know if you've read the book by the American children's author, E. Lockhart, AKA Emily Jenkins, The Treasure Map of Boys. There's a great quote in that book, which says, we'll deal with it because the good outweighs the bad. And I think you've made that so clear to us today. And it's so true about teaching, as we both know, the good hugely outweighs the bad, which is why we still love doing it. For me, after so many years, and so thank you for that. It's really important for all teachers to remember when they've had a tough day, there'll be something good just round the corner that, that you will really be pleased that you're teaching. So what now, listeners? What's the one small thing that you'll do tomorrow that will make a difference to your teaching and a difference to the success of your pupils? Remember, one small step at a time is the way to continual improvement. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please leave a review and share it with your friends. As ever, I'd be very keen to know what you'd like us to discuss in future podcasts. So please get in touch and we'll keep you updated on what's to come and more on Twitter at WhatNQT. Thanks again, Louise. It's been great to talk to you and uh, I'm always inspired when I talk to you and I have been again. I look forward to being with you all next time for another educational chat with an inspiring teacher. Until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an MQT. Bye.